Bibles this morning again and turn with me to the book of John. Book of John and chapter 5 and verse 21. We have in these verses, beginning verse 17, begun to see the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have begun to see in that his equality with the Father. Being equal with the Father, He's deity. You see, so He is His Father. He is the Son, the Son of God. He is God. In verse 21, Another proof of his equality with the Father is that he has power to give life. In verse 21 we read, For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth, He will. The Father <laughs> raises the dead and makes them alive. And the Son does also, whom He will. So this is the third evidence that Jesus gives of his being God, his being equal with God. God gives life. And only God can give life. Doctors can't give life. Doctors can't add one day to your life. In fact, doctors can't heal and make whole. And when you die, doctors can't bring you back to life. You are gone. But God can. God 
gave you your physical life. And God can raise from the dead and make you live again. Therefore, if he wills to give life to one that is dead, he can and he will do it. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy In chapter 32, look with me here at verse 39. See now that I, even I, am He, and there is no God with me. Notice what it says now. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. <laughs> Every man is in the hand of the Lord. Every birth is in the hand of the Lord. He makes alive and he has set the bounds of our habitation. He set the limit of our life. And he kills. He brings death. He makes us, allows us to be sick, makes us to be sick. And if we're to be healed, it is God that must be healed. Let us who are the redeemed of the Lord, remember that. Oh, that all men would know that. When you become sick and you seek out a doctor, remember it is the Lord, it is God <laughs> that heals. The doctor. Sometimes, God may just be pleased to heal and amaze the doctors. And the doctors will have no explanation for it. And then, sometimes, in fact, most of the time, God may be pleased to use the doctors 
and their knowledge and their wisdom of, of pharmaceuticals to help you in your condition and to bring about healing. But let us remember that it is God that heals and it is God that kills and it is God that gives life. Not we ourselves. Not the doctors. But it is God. Turn with me to the book of 1 Kings. The book of 1 Kings in chapter 17. And this is a incident that we are much familiar with concerning Elijah and Israel, the ten northern tribes, and King Ahab, and the drought that came in the days of Ahab and Elijah. And God sparing Elijah's life first at the brook, Kidron, where there was water for a time until it dried up, and the ravens bringing him food to eat. But when the brook dried up, God told him to go to Zarephath, he had commanded a woman to sustain him. And Elijah told her to go and bake him a cake, a little cake first, before she baked one for herself and her son. And she obeyed. And she did that. And that barrel of meal, which was just a handful in it, did not run out. And the cruise of oil did not run out. But as time passed along, her son grew sick, and he died. And she said to Elijah, what have you come to call me out on my sin and to, to slay my son? In verse 21... And he, Elijah, stretched himself on the child three times and cried unto the Lord. Notice, he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard 
the voice of Elijah and the son of the child and the soul of the child came into him again and he revived that is the breath of the child the life of the child came back into him and he revived again and Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother and Elijah said see thy son liveth it was not any power of Elijah but it was the power of God it was power of the Lord that caused this son to rise from the dead and live. God is the giver of life. And he is the taker of life. And he was pleased to magnify his name in the healing of this son and restoring to life this son. Turn with me to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings in chapter 4 and verse 32. And here we have another prophet, Elisha. And uh, Elisha found favor with this Shunammite woman who was desirous to honor the Lord and honoring the prophets of God and built a prophet's chamber and told Elisha whenever he came by to stay there, he and his servant to stay there in those quarters. And Elisha seeking to, to, to bestow some goods upon this woman woman refusing to take any goods and questioning his servant Gehazi he said she has no son and her husband is old and so he prophesied that at this time of this season that she would have a son to hold in her lap and she said don't you fool me. Don't you lie. To me. Don't you trick me. Don't deceive me. Don't get my hopes up and then cause me to despair. Time came and she gave birth to a son. And the son began to grow. And he was out in the fields with his father and he took ill and he died and she sent for Elisha and went to Elisha and said come come in verse 32 and when Elisha was come into the house behold the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, and shut the door upon Twain, and prayed unto the Lord. Notice, as did Elijah, Elisha prays to the Lord. Elisha knew 
that he had no power to raise this child, but he knew who did. He knew that God did. He knew that the Lord, Jehovah, did. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. He called her. And when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. There again, we have one who was dead. Scripture makes a play. They were both dead. But God restored their life unto them. In the book of Acts, the book of Acts in chapter 26, then here we have the Apostle Paul before King Agrippa who was ruler, appointed by Caesar to rule over areas in Israel. And Paul has been taken, he's been before Festus and Felix, and now he's coming before King Agrippa. And King Agrippa said, I will hear of him. And he says to King Agrippa, he says, says, Oh, Agrippa, thou art, thou art an expert in the custom of the Jews and the teaching of the Jews, the doctrine of the Jews. Thou being a Jew, maybe, maybe Agrippa was a Sadducee, because it appears that he did not believe in the resurrection according to verse 8. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you? That word, thought a thing incredible, There, it really means why should you be faithless? Why should you be unbelieving? What is he unbelieving about? What is he faithless about? That God should raise the dead. <laughs> you, you're an expert in the, the Jews' customs, and yes, there's a of 
the Jews, and you're probably one of those, Agrippa, it seems as though he was, that did not believe in the resurrection. But the Pharisees, the Pharisees believed in a bodily resurrection. Notice that Paul calls it the author of that making alive from the dead is God. God is the one who makes alive. In giving life and raising the dead, the Father is, is sovereign. That, he, that is, He acts according to His own will, according to His own pleasure, and none is his counselor. And none can ask him, why doest thou? Sovereign, acting fully as he alone wills, as he determines to be. He is not constrained or restrained. <laughs> you can't you can't restrain him. You can't constrain him in no way, shape, or form. He does according to his good pleasure. According to his will. And the Father has the power. He has, the, has authority. And exercises perfect love, justice, and wisdom. He knows exactly, exactly what he's doing. And he does it perfectly, according as he has planned. With me to the book of Romans. The book of Romans in chapter 9. In verse 15, we'll read a few verses here. In verse 15 we read, For he saith to Moses, this is a reference to the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verse 19, where he said these words to Moses. He said, I will, I am God, I am and I will. This is my desire. This is my pleasure. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. I am sovereign, and I execute it whom I choose, to whom I please, to whom I will. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. It's not of you. It's not of me. But it's of God that his mercies are extended. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose, have I raised thee up 
that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. See, that was the purpose in, in God raising up Pharaoh, that his mighty power might be manifested, that his mighty power might be declared. Therefore, hath he mercy, therefore, citing the incident with Pharaoh, therefore, hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will, he hardeneth. Now, he could have been merciful to Pharaoh, but it wasn't his will. It wasn't his purpose. It wasn't his design to be merciful to Pharaoh. It was his will and desire that his power be made known. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will. Oh, man, men all over the earth would like to resist the will of God. But they can't resist his will. They can't resist that which he has determined, that which he has purposed to do. Nay, but, O oh man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? <laughs> Can you? Oh, you might. But no, it'll have no ear with God. No movement with God. Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath, to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? And he does endure with much long suffering. You just think about when you were a child of wrath, when you were a child of disobedience, and therefore a child of wrath, and the wrath of God abided upon you, was he not long-suffering? Did not long-suffering endure? Yes. To bring about your salvation. But there are some that he's enduring with his long-suffering until the wrath comes upon them. And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. I'm glad that he before time, before time, had prepared me unto glory to be a vessel of mercy, his mercy, even us. <laughs> Whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. I'm glad it's of the Gentiles as well. First Timothy, First Timothy, chapter six. 
In verse 14, we read this, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times, Jesus Christ, who is with God, who is God, shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, <laughs> the only power, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And let me submit to you, if he is the only power and he is King of kings, he is king, the King of of kings he is the supreme one he is the sovereign one and lord of lords he is the lord of the lords he is the sovereign he is the supreme the book of revelation the book of revelation chapter 4 In verse 11, thou art worthy, thou art deserving, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure, for thy will, they are and were created. He is the creator of all things. Being the creator of all things, he is the sovereign over all things. He created everything according to his will and according to his good pleasure that he might get the honor and the glory. Our verse says, and the Son does likewise with whom he wills. The Son, Jesus, Jesus. We already read to you in the book of First Timothy in chapter 6 and, and verse 15 that Jesus Christ is the only potentate, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the sovereign, supreme. Jesus gives life to, to whom he will. And consider this, we've already established the fact a couple of weeks ago that the will of the Father is the will of the Son. The will of the Son is the will of the Father. They're the same. So, so to whom he wills, which is the will of the Father, you see, he gives life to whom he will. Just as the Father does, so Jesus does. He's equal with the Father. He's deity. He's God. 
there is a state. There is a state of death. I'm not surprised. We are faced with it all around us. We've experienced it in our families. We've experienced it in friends. We've experienced it in people that we don't even know. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews in chapter 9. In verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once die. He's talking about the physical death. Talking about the physical death. There's an appointment given to men because of sin. Our message is in the afternoon. Because of sin. There's an appointment that is given to every man. God gave you life. And God has determined the day of the cessation of that physical life. It is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. After this, the judgment of blessing and joy or the judgment of woe, one or the other. And that will have to do with your spiritual life or spiritual death, you see. Are you spiritually alive or are you spiritually dead? So there is a state of death, which is not surprising to any of us. But there is a state of being quickened. There is a state of being made alive from being dead spiritually. We're made alive from the dead. We're made alive from being dead and trespasses and sins. The book of Ephesians in, <clears throat> in chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1, and you hath he quickened, and you hath he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. I ask you this morning, has he quickened you? Has he made you alive from being dead spiritually? To be dead in trespasses and sins is to be dead spiritually. And to die in that condition is to spend an eternity separated from God. Separated from blessings and joy. And to spend eternity in woe, anguish, and torment. You see, Christ quickens a person 
He makes a malahim. And that person, that one that he makes alive, we call it regenerate. That one that he regenerates, he gives life to them. They believe. They don't believe in Jesus Christ historically with a head belief. But they are they believe they entrust they, they trust him wholly explicitly for salvation. They're they're fully persuaded that the only way that they are going to spiritually live is by Christ Jesus and him alone. He gives he gives life from that. He gives spiritual life to those who are spiritually dead, to whom he wills. Our first, John 5 and verse 21. To whom he wills, to whom the Father wills, are those to whom he wills. John chapter 3. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him, believeth in him, continues to believe. They, they believe and they continue to believe and they go to their grave believing. That is being persuaded that there's life for Jesus Christ. Shall not perish. Do not come into condemnation. This life is an abundant life. Turn with me to the book of John. <clears throat> the book of John. In verse 9, chapter 10 and verse 9. John chapter 10 and verse 9. Jesus here speaking to the Jews said, I am the door, the door of the sheep, into the sheepfold. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I, Jesus Christ, I, God, am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundant, that they might have it life superabundant. It is the superabundant life. It is the life that never ends. It is eternal life. <laughs> Life, physical life, without the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't even begin to compare to the life that I have in Christ Jesus. Oh, I, I not die. 
Oh, they, they, one day, if the Lord doesn't return before them, they're going to lay this body in the grave. But I'm not dying. I've not died. And this body, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, is said to just be asleep. Because he's going to raise it from the dead and make it alive again. But it's going to be not this old sinful flesh, but it's going to be a new body. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. It's going to be a body like unto the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me to the book of John and chapter 17. Chapter 17 and reading verses 1 and 2. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power. <laughs> that word power is Authority. Authority to do as he wills. To do as he pleases. In other words, he's sovereign. He's sovereign over all flesh. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him or to as many as the Father willed, which the Father's will is the Son's will. <laughs> in other words, as he said in chapter 21, to whomsoever he will. He gives life. He gives eternal life to those whom he wills, to those that the Father gave to him in, in eternity before the heavens and the earth were created. And in time, he gives to them eternal life. Look with me at the book of Matthew, chapter 9. Book of Matthew, chapter 9, and verse 6. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power, hath authority to do as he pleases, as he is sovereign on earth to forgive sins to whomsoever he wills. Eternal life. To have sins forgiven is to have eternal life. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thy house. He has authority. He's sovereign to do as he will, to give life, forgive sins as he will. Same, same word is used in in the book of Matthew in chapter 28. The book of Matthew in chapter 28 and 
in verse 18, the same word is, is used there when Jesus said uh, that all power, all authority, all <laughs> sovereign, I'm sovereign to do as I will, as to do as I please, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. <laughs> Doesn't matter where he's at. And we've already seen in John chapter 3 that while he was on earth, he's in, in the bosom of the Father, he's in heaven at the same time. And he has authority and sovereign to do as he will in heaven and in earth. That sounds pretty equal to me with the Father. That's what it is. <laughs> equal with the Father. He's God. He was with God and He is God. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. But but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead, the Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, Spirit of God, which was the Spirit of Christ, Jesus said in John chapter 10, I have power to lay my life down, I have power to take it again. <laughs> I have power to kill, and I have power to make alive. That spirit, same spirit, the spirit of God, that raised up Jesus from the dead, dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You see, Christ was our first fruits. Because he rose from the grave, we have that he bodily rose from the grave. As was experienced, his, his church saw it, saw his body. After his resurrection, they saw his body. They touched it. They, Thomas put his finger in, in the nail prints and, and thrust his hand in his side. The body of Christ raised from the dead, and because he, he rose bodily, we too, our bodies, are going to rise also. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins, to be in to be in sin in your sins yet to be under the dominion of sin under the rule of sin that's just the only thing you know to do and you and furthermore you're delighted in it is to be dead spiritually you're dead in trespasses and sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh 
hath he quickened, hath he made alive spiritually. We're talking spiritually now. We were spiritually dead. We that are redeemed, we that have, have believed, we that have faith are fully persuaded, as the Paul said. He's made alive. Together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, all my sins are forgiven. Where are they? Well, as we've seen in Sunday school, they're in the depths of the deepest sea. They're as far as the east is from the west. They're under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are. Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1 said we were dead in trespasses and in sins. That's every, every man without Christ is to be dead in sins. To be dead in trespasses and sins. Verses 4 and 5. But God. But God who is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins. Hath quickened. <laughs> hath made alive. Us together. With Christ. Christ lives because he lives. I live <laughs> by grace. By what? By grace. By what? By the gift of God. Ye are saved. Shall we stay?